to episode 35 of Running Matters. My name's Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Hadfield. How are you going today, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Enjoying the Sunday afternoon sun. Yeah, I'm loving the Sunday afternoon podcast. Yeah. Our special guest today is Rory Darkens. Did I pronounce that correctly? Thanks for giving up your time today, Rory. Pleasure. So I'm looking forward to sharing your story to our listeners. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Filter Brewing, Goo Energy, Guy Me Allied Health, Fractal Running Caps, and Swim Guard Pool Fence Certification. It's a, it's a long list, it's, but... It's a long list. But there's, there's another some, one to add. There's some news. This wow. is big news. So we've got a new partner, Ranella. Wow. It's exciting, isn't it? So, uh... That's a pretty big fish, I reckon. That's a big Ranella. fish. Yep, that's a big fish. Great shot. Great shot. Great bloke. So, uh, for the listeners that aren't from around the area, uh, Ranella's a running store in Cronulla, and they're offering our members a 10% discount when they mention Running Matters in the store, which is awesome. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to start adding some monthly shoe reviews into the program, which would be helping people get in the right shoes. Um, but yeah, it's just a nice partner with a nice guy. Yeah, he's a champion. Chatted to him last week. When's that one come out, mate? Uh, it'll be a week after this one is broadcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. It's hard to live in podcast land. It you're is. You're not quite sure when you're talking about. It is. It is. So we're about, we're, we're, we're talking two weeks in the future at yeah. the moment. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh. Hello, McFly. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> exactly right. So, uh, anyway, Sean, he knows his stuff and, uh, he'll get you in the right shoes. Yeah. It's good. Fantastic. Exciting. We're very excited. We should also thank Jimmy Carroll for doing the editing behind the scenes. Doing a good job, Jimmy. And before I forget, we should remind our subscribe our listeners to subscribe to our shows. And if you subscribe, you get the the download each week straight to your phone, so you're not looking for the episode. So that's important. Uh, how's your training for Surf Coast going? Yeah, good, mate. I've had a few big weeks in a row now, two for me anyway. Yeah, so yeah. creeping up close to the 100k a week. Uh, Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I reckon I bounced back all right after that Ultra Trail 22 thing That's that good. I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got another week until the Royal Double Ultra. So, I'll knock out just day one of that, 50Ks. And, yeah, then I'm off for a couple of weeks on a sand training holiday. So, yeah. Sand camp. Going good. Excellent. Sand. Like band camp, but with sand. Yeah, I reckon there might be some similar stories to, at sand camp. I reckon too. I'll let you know when we get back. Oh, please do. <laughs> That's exciting. So we should uh, encourage our listeners to get down to Surf Coast Century uh, in Victoria, and you can do a team event, so four people can enter the 100K and do 25Ks each, four legs, and if you want to enter the race, you can use the discount code Running Matters. SCC2019. I'll mention that again at the end of the show for those who have a small memory. That's a bargain. It's a bargain. 10% off. Big savings. Royal Double Ultra sold out. We're very happy. I was telling Rory earlier. Rory, yeah. Rory's happy for us. Very happy. Yeah. So good. Good on you guys. Nice local event, mate. Mm. You've done well. Got it off the ground. Put your butt on the line and it's worked out. Yeah. So got some, uh, some great prizes from our... Our sponsors for the, the podium. Yeah. Ranala has chipped in. Yeah. Uh, Filter. Yeah. Goo Energy and Gaimerallad Health. Yeah. Partners of the race as well as partners of the show. So, yeah. yeah, get up on the podium and get some good gear, I reckon. Yeah. Ranala's what, given us $400 vouchers to yep. use in the store. Yeah, very generous. Very generous. Thanks, yeah. Sean. Yeah. Who do you reckon is going to take it out? Overall? 
let's day talk about one. day one. Day one looks pretty hot, I reckon. Uh, oh, I reckon Steve Redfern's going to have a real good dig. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to put my money on him for day one. Yeah, okay. Um, I read uh, an article going in the local paper that suggested that Marty Keys and uh, Scotty Richmond might give him a run for his money. Yep. So, yeah, a couple of big guns. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be competitive that day one. Tommy Dennis running both days. Around the world yep. runner. No slouch. And the, the link between all these four runners is they've all been on the show. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, that's right. Guns. Guns. We've got the guns. <laughs> and um, people are probably wondering, how do they get a Royal Double Ultra cap? Well, stop wondering. <laughs> Reach out to us and we'll tell you how. So send us a message on, uh, on our Facebook page, Running Matters Podcast. And uh, we'll tell you how you can purchase cap. You don't have to do the event. You can just be supporting just buy a hat. charity. Yeah, support the cap. All profits go to the Stephen Walter Children's True. Cancer Foundation. They do. Yep. Great no cause. Event. Yep. Good cause. So fifteen bucks for one, twenty-five for two, and of course you have to buy two. One's not an option. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We just want to maximise the the sales. Economies of scale. Twenty-five bucks for two. Yeah. I'm so, not a great shopper, but that sounds like a bargain. Yeah. Total bargain. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it anyway. It should be a good race. Yeah. So, Rory, I'm a little concerned you're going to look deep into my mind and realise I have multiple personality disorder. Can you just play along and not mention it until after the interview? Let's just say Wolfie and the captain have been a little bit anxious about today. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Um, well, the good news for you is that the field of psychology that I... Uh, focus on and specialise in is uh, more the positive side so I don't do any diagnosing of what's wrong I'm more about looking at what's right with you so you're safe Excellent. I'm not sure that you consider it to be a bad thing, having <laughs> three personalities. You kind of get the hide behind the wolf or the captain at different moments. So no, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, they're just a little bit anxious, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just keep a lid on them for the rest of the hour and yeah. we'll get through this. Yeah, that's right. They're a bit worried they'd be stuffed in a straitjacket and rocking themselves to sleep in a padded cell tonight. So uh, <laughs> it's all good, guys. It's all good. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, uh, Rory, tell us a bit about yourself. You're from the north of New Zealand. Um, did you participate in, in much sport growing up? How did you get into the field that you're working in now? Yeah, as you said, I'm born in New Zealand. Um, look, when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was play cricket. Um, it's literally all I probably did do as mm-hmm. I was growing up. And um, it was a passion that was, you know, a very strong passion, if yeah. not an obsession at times. But... Um, something I spent a lot of time training and and playing representative cricket um, through the age groups in New Zealand Um, and then from leaving leaving school I went over to England and played a couple of seasons over there and um, it's actually what led me to to Australia eventually I I came over here to train Um, so uh, two people Peter Philpott who's a great um, swim bowling coach and also Jock Campbell who I'm sure many of you and your listeners would know um i came to do fitness work with him to really help give me the best chance with my game and um but along the journey there i was particularly interested in the mental side um of uh you know just how we get the best out of ourselves and then um had some really close friends who um played high level sport and at like the olympics and things like that who um were doing really well in their sport but also um uh, the, it was kind of coming at the cost of their well-being. So 
that gave me a, a really special focus on the balance between well-being and performance um, and that's uh, I kind of realised I guess that I one was better at helping other people than I was at playing cricket and I was also uh, it was far more rewarding for me to um, to really study the the science of, of people and how we get the best out of ourselves and, and thrive both in well-being and performance and um, yeah and share that with, with others however I can and um, that's basically how I've, I've got into doing what I do today. Cool. <clears throat> Stu Rennie, friend of the show, says mm. you're a pretty handy runner as well. You are still training a bit and are you entering any races? Yeah, so running um, running was a passion that kind of came um, almost by accident as um, initially I was training for cricket, you know, mm. and would have these uh, 3K time trials that would do and for all the 3k running that you do while you're playing cricket yeah i know exactly <laughs> right good. and um i had a like a, a particular bit of stretch of road at home in new zealand that i used to do my 3k time trials on mm. and have to send my times in and um got pretty competitive with myself trying to improve on that but i was definitely not a, a special runner growing up that's that's for sure but um just always uh, enjoyed improving and um found that really rewarding and so um, started um, running with some other people and it was really when I came to Australia and started training with with Jock Athletic and Jock Campbell he um, he actually joined me up I signed me up to the Wanda Surf Club without me knowing and entered <laughs> me in the uh, the state and Australian titles for the 2k on the sand so as I say it was almost a bit of an accident and um, and from there yeah I've, I've loved my running and um being a training partner with Eloise Wellings as well has been really special and, and something that I've, I've loved. Um, so, yeah, when people ask me what I'm training for, I generally say I'm training to be able to train with Eloise because if I stop training, I won't be able to keep up. So um, that's, that's pretty much what I'm running at the moment. What's your uh, preferred distance? Um, somewhere around the 5K mark. Yeah. It's, it's, I actually did the uh, one of the a Mother's Day run recently it was 4k and i was like that's a pretty nice distance yeah um so yeah i think somewhere around there um i don't i don't mind the longer stuff either i just haven't really dedicated a really serious training block to to do a, a really good half or further than that but i think that's something that i'll i'll do in the future for sure yeah fantastic yeah ready for the norg handicap maybe yeah 5k have you heard about the Norg handicap? I'd love to hear more. Yeah. It sounds yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> we can you can join us along for our monthly handicap race yeah. in the in the national park. Yeah, Did you do any running in the national park? I have before, um, and um, you know the threat of seeing snakes aside, it's probably um, you know it's a great place. Mm. Um, but growing up in New Zealand, most of my running was actually um, in the trails, and it's pretty beautiful. But um, I know the, the national park here is, is also great. There's just no snakes in New Zealand, you know. So nah, there's no snakes at the moment. <laughs> so I tend yeah. to run there when it's cold, yeah. yeah. Just not when it's not when it, they're coming out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stick to the fire trials in the summer. Yeah. 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 Hey, are you allowed to talk about cricket for two seconds or just keep it real brief. Real brief. <laughs> real brief. So the last two episodes we've had an AFL player and a rugby league player now a cricket player mm. who's, you know, 
coming to to the running game, I guess. So everyone comes from different angles. Yeah. What was uh, what was your specialty as far as cricket was concerned? Um, so I was a league spin bowler originally, okay. and I was um, I was really short when I was growing up, and yeah. so I used to just toss it Throw up, it up as high way. as I could and yeah. get whacked all the time. But then get a few people caught on the boundary as well, or when they'd go for one too many. Um, and yeah, I loved that. So I was always prioritised the leg spin and then kind of developed myself into an opening batsman as well because you just have so many bad days as a leg spinner that you've got to have another crack at it's it. It's bad for the psychology, mate. <laughs> you know? That's probably where the, the psychology uh, stuff came from was trying to live as a leg spinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. could call that. That would help anyone, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Looking it's on good. the bright side of life. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> There's definitely a, a course in optimism and resilience being a leg spinner. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But you must have had some skills going over to England as a professional player. Yeah, semi-professional. Yep. Um, so I was kind of on the fringes there of um, you know of more professional cricket. But yep. yeah, I, I got looked after on my trips over there yeah. and had some great experiences. And um, it's yeah, like I was I was a really hard worker. To be fair, like. Uh, anyone I used to get sledged about being a battler you know like oh battling away and um you know I don't mind that because you know I definitely wasn't um I could I could spin the ball and um I was a reasonable athlete but you know there's I wasn't um the most natural kind of ball striker or anything like that around but I really appreciated the um you know the the craft and, Mm. and getting stuck into um trying to get the best out of myself so I was yeah I was always it didn't feel like work training so yeah, I just yeah. loved it and would so work hard. hard yeah work hard good good stuff yeah. good good so mm. you're uh, you're a high you've got a high performance coaching business uh called what's right tell us a bit about that yeah so what's right is um a digital coaching um platform that we've created um and so it's essentially an app that is going to help people um find what's right with them as a as a foundation and then help them live in a way that's right for them so it's essentially trying to bring um all the benefits of having a a kind of um, coach with you on the journey to help you maximize your performance but also your well-being and really understand the science of you and what makes you tick and and how you can navigate life and get the best out of yourself and so that's a, a digital, yeah, digital um, solution that we've been working on for a couple of years now to to really make um, make this sort of coaching um, truly scalable and, and available to anyone anywhere because you know there's so many barriers um, in place for people to go and see a coach whether it's you know even some stigma or there's financial barriers yeah. and time barriers like and and also there's kind of a it can be difficult talking to other human beings sometimes as well is there's just so many great tools out there that can help you to really um, help yourself and that's really what what what's right is going to be for people so watch the space it'll be be coming out soon okay cool is there an eta there yeah so we're actually um running some um some reasonably large-scale pilots with um organizations and um we've got like um, some sport organisations in there as well um, at the moment, mm. and so um, yeah, it's available to organisations and, and businesses and, and schools to begin with, um, and then opening up to individual um, users hopefully later in the year. So have, you, have you worked out a cost to download? Um, so because it's it's available to organisations, it's we we want it to be f- where possible free to the user. So yeah. um, mm. that's kind of the approach with that, and then. 
when we do make it available to individuals, um, there'd be mm. a, a cost for that. Um, but we're trying to keep it as, as affordable as possible. Yeah, so, cool. Yeah. Do, do you think it'll work for the Nog boys, or do you think they might sort of crash the app? <laughs> do you, if you've got multiple personalities, do you download three apps? Well, that's a beautiful case that we um, we haven't actually really prepared for yet. Um, but I'm pleased you put that on our radar. We can we can really go back to the tech team and yeah. you know use some some artificial intelligence. Look, I wouldn't spend too much time trying to fix him out. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's a lost cause, yeah. Rory. Yeah, it's all yeah, over. Yeah. People have tried before, Rory. Better people. (laughs) That's awesome. So apart from the the app stuff, you do some one-on-one coaching, Mm. face-to-face stuff. Yeah. So what are some of the more common psychological hurdles that you tend to help athletes with, mate? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So I've been really fortunate to work with uh, quite a range of of athletes. So um, from kind of current Olympians right through to people kind of starting out on on the journey who are you know young teenagers who are passionate about their sport and it's interesting one thing I find a lot is is most people I work with feel like they're the only one who has (laughs) self-doubt and so I think that 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 kind of inner critic that voice in our head that kind of um tells us what we're not or tells us you know reasons why we can't and and can almost sabotage um our potential and and also our enjoyment of an activity so generally yeah i think probably the most common thing would be um just making friends with that inner critic so that you can you can be free to um free to express your uh, express yourself really and what you're doing and um and therefore not only access the kind of upper limits of, of your performance, but also actually feel the, the true true enjoyment that comes from, from it. Because I think, you know, most people start out playing sport because they love it. Mm. And then somewhere along the way, that love can kind of um, be impeded somewhat by... It becomes uh, a job or whatever. Yeah, or even just, you know, like there's a lot of... Um, kind of uh perceived pressure and ang- or anxieties or you know performance anxieties around around performing where it's something that you know turning up to a race for example is something that people start to dread rather mm. than um, look forward to and yeah and it's re- it often comes back to to managing that and, and finding ways to break through that negative uh inner critic okay yeah so, you know, a lot of people I, I see it at the Norg Handicap, they turn up and they've obviously suffered from anxiety leading up to the event. A lot of pressure to, to do well and beat your mates. Yeah. Who are you talking about specifically, mate? Oh, yeah. Pretty much the whole group. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been tears on the starting line. Yeah. Let me just, you know, people work themselves up. So uh, what would be your advice to, to those people? How, how can they, what's, what are some exercises they can do to, to reduce their anxiety? Yeah, um, well, look, I think there's, there's a few things we can do, but um, the, the foundation for it really is learning to manage your, your nervous system. And the, the only kind of um, real access point that we have to our autonomic nervous system is our breath. And so I think um, doing a, a really um, uh, a semi-structured breath practice um, that mm. helps people to really um, take control of, of the, the physiology that comes with, with that enables them to then kind of um, input the, you know, the optimal kind of ways of thinking and focusing. So 
yeah, you do have to um, take charge of that of the physiology first in order to then kind of change um, the psychology. Change the psychology, yeah. and yeah. and the breath's a great way to access that. And there's so many really well researched, proven practices that um, that people can use as a starting point. Mm. Um, I've noticed the uh, New Zealand Rugby League team actually <clears> get in a, a <throat> huddle whenever they have a break on the field, mm-hmm. like if somebody scores a try or either their team or the other team they get in a huddle and they they do breathe mm. and they breathe in yeah. and they're doing this controlled breathing yeah yeah um so i guess that's a form of you know controlling the the you know their performance or you know mm. bringing everything back to to level so they're yeah yeah they don't have you know a build-up of anxiety if they yeah. are anxious yeah. i don't know yeah definitely and i think it serves multiple purposes you know so breath practice like that it's really just grounds you in the present moment. And, you know, the present moment is where the magic happens. You know, it's all we ever have. But it's also, um, if you're playing sport of any sort, it's like the, the more um, present you can be, regardless of what's going on, the better you're going to be able to access your skills, the better you're going to be able to respond um, to the the. Um, unfolding kind of unknown that is sport you know it's the beauty of sport we can never fully control or predict what's going to happen next um we can only control um, how we show up to this moment right now and how we choose to respond to what happens and so by grounding in the present moment like that people are kind of um refocusing back into the here and now and and what do i need to focus on on right now in order to um to bring my best um so that's sort of the foundation of it and it's um yeah i say the the present moment is is where high performance happens so do you, do you think that's why danny tool was doing his lamar's breathing at the start of the North handicap last time 100 percent. it was pretty weird but mm. it did run well <laughs> i think laying on the ground was unnecessary <laughs> but if was... it works Hey, if you want to put into full practice yeah multi-sensory grounding you know, yeah it's this yeah there you go um, mate how um how, how young an athlete do you tend to work with like um at what age is this mental skills training help, mm. helpful um so i've worked with uh quite a few athletes who are kind of 12 up mm-hmm. and I, I think there's this you know in the space that i'm in there's a perception that you've got to have something wrong in order to kind of get this type yeah. of support and the way i approach it and is, is kind of the complete opposite it's like can, if we can um preemptive strike Pre- you know yeah. proactively like front load these mental skills then people have the tools to help themselves mm. as they go and therefore less likely to kind of um get to a point where they they you know um they need extra help or anything like that so um you know there's no age is no real barrier to that it's really just um having the the willingness um to be open to learning and also the um you know the the maturity to just be able to take on, take it on you yeah. know it's pretty basic information and, and mm. apply it so uh you know i'd happily work with with people who are younger than 12 as well mm. it's just you know it seems to be that that's when um uh that's when i think uh, a lot of young athletes start to sort of feel like this um the the mental side is kind of either getting in the way of their enjoyment or yeah. mm. getting in the way of their performance so mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. Yeah, often people say, you know, mentally it's it's fifty percent and, and performance is fifty percent. You you would have heard that term all the yeah, time yeah. and obviously confidence mm. plays a big role and it's yeah. all individual, but if 
I said to you, if you had to put a percentage on it, how <laughs> how important is is the the mental side of a hundred? Surely. So look, well, you know, I'm. I'm definitely not going to put out an exact percentage of it <laughs> because um, on, ultimately they're also connected. You know, I think to it's a false sort of mm. dichotomy to say you know this is the mental, this is the physical because there's um, you know, like to access your skills. Obviously, there's a there's mental com- a mental component to that, but there's also a really strong physiological component to mm. your um, your mindset and your sub like your subjective experience. Mm. So. As we talked about before, like if you can actually manage your physiology, you're going to have a, a better um, mental state in mm. that moment. So they're just so connected that I, I think it's, um, you know, the way I see it, there's really three things that we can ever train. And that is like our our body, the physical, um, our craft, so like the skills and then our mind. And ultimately, if we want to access our potential, we need to be working on all three mm. and most people are pretty uh, pretty well on board with working on the two of them mm. uh, and often kind of overlook the fact that you know, there's, um, the mind is something that we can actually um, work on and, and there's, there's skills mm. there just like there are physical skills that we can train and, and develop. So, um, yeah, to sum that up, I'd definitely say that they're so interconnected that it's like... Um, we're making up would be making up numbers but it's definitely a, a massive impact on on yeah. performance so so with that in mind um that interconnection so mm. what's your take on tim noakes central governor theory the the idea that our brain limits our endurance capacity well before our body physically needs to slow down do mm. you, do, you, do you do with that sort of stuff a lot yeah look i think the the take-home message from that research is you know the research is really strong in that space um around the fact that like essentially our, our brain in many ways is um wired to protect us mm. it's wired to keep us safe yeah. And in keeping us safe, sometimes that can kind of keep us small in terms of our potential. So um, I think to me that, you know, that's how I would explain it to people is that even that that negative inner critic we were talking about before, that, that voice that um, that tells you, you know, to um, that you can't do something or that you shouldn't do something or it kind of brings fear with it, that voice is actually just trying to keep you safe. It's mm. trying to... Um, it's perceiving a threat and trying to help you to not die, uh, yeah, not die, yeah. and not you know, stay away from that threat. And mm. um, so, definitely, the you know, um, we're wired for survival yeah. more so than like performance, performance and, yeah. and even thriving. And yeah. so, the the default modes of the brain are definitely all about keeping us alive, mm. not, not mm. maximizing our potential. So, and, and so in, in that sense, how conservative is our brain being there? How much more do we really have in the tank? Like, yeah, oh, that's the fascinating question, isn't it? Mm. It's like I, I think well, the best way to look at this for me would be just with anecdotes. You know, like you hear the stories of what people are capable of mm. in in extreme circumstances where this sort of central governor kind of is, is shut off for us yeah, yeah, yeah. and even like you know what I, f- I find really fascinating is um the science around flow state mm. and so you know the flow state being the optimal state that a human being can be in it's the state in which um you know people do achieve their, their personal best and you know most olympic medals are kind of come um 
with a, a flow state attached to the, you know mm. that athlete and um and it's this state is is such an optimal experience but also a state in which we perform mm. optimally but when we're in that state our inner critic like the the part of our brain that stores that inner, that houses that inner critic um it, it shuts off yeah, it's called transient dorsal hypofrontality, meaning that part just shuts off because you've got all your resources are so um, uh, immersed in what the activity that you you merge with that activity, and the the inner critic goes quiet. Your sense of time kind of um, gets warped as well, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you can all relate to this from mm-hmm. from experiences when you've been been running and doing other things. But in that state, our we access a greater um, kind of percentage I guess of our potential yeah um and and there's this freedom that comes from being um from having the inner critic kind of just shut off for a while and good and that's why it, it feels so good you know mm-hmm. our system floods with five um neurochemicals that are like the perfect cocktail of make us happy make us happy make mm-hmm. us just feel like fully alive and and then we, we come out of that experience and we're like, oh, I want that again. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, you look at athletes who perform um, quite incredible things, you know, they're, they're accessing um, a flow state mm-hmm. really frequently. And, but that state is not reserved for people who have, um, who have a certain level of ability. No, it's all available to all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's triggers, like there's ways that we can actually um, enter that state more frequently and mm. um, and just knowing that you can actually almost create the conditions for yourself to enter flow and, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, I love to work with people on as well because um, not only do you access your best performance but mm. it, it feels great as well and it's intrinsically rewarding, you know. Yeah. So, what do you reckon, Wolf? Mm. Do you reckon you've ever entered a flow state? No. <laughs> You have. I don't believe you. You definitely have. <laughs> that's utter bullshit. Yeah. yeah. No, well, that's, I mean, that's what we're all seeking, yeah. isn't it? Like, we're 100%. trying to, uh, look, I read a book recently called Endure mm. and uh, by Alex Hutchinson. Yeah. And I, have you read it? I don't know. It, it's, it, was, it yeah. was a good read, but yeah. the take-home message for me was that we can push a lot harder than we than yeah. we think. And the brain's basically, as you just described, is working as a handbrake to slow us yeah. down for protection. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to die. Yeah. Just keep pushing and see what happens, yeah. you know. And uh, so I sort of try and keep that in mind yeah. whenever, you know, I've got a race or an event and just try to push as hard as I can. Yeah. And uh, it's unlikely that you're going to die. You're going to slow down before you're going to die. Yeah. And uh, and I'm yet to be proven wrong. <laughs> While we're here, aren't we? While we're so, here, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and, and it's funny, you know, when you talk about people finding the, their flow state, uh, a friend of mine, Richard Fogarty, who's, who's a good, very good runner, he would, you know, just local races, whether it was the Sutherland to surf or the city to surf, he would throw up 200 metres before the line mm. every time. Mm. Like, you know, if I, was, if I knew he was racing next week, I could ring up and, and say, how was your run? And you go, yeah, I was sick, but I you just, you know, just mm. had a quick spew and then kept going. Yeah. And uh, without fail, he would push himself to spew. To that point. So... Yeah. People, you know, people are able to push themselves further. I've never been able to push myself to be mm. sick, but you know, I respect that skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It'd be great to be. It's have gutsy. It. It's yeah. gutsy. It is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, a, a, like mm. I, I, from experience, like I'll push myself and my eyes are water and I'll, yeah. things will get blurry and that. 
Um, but yeah, not to the state of, of, of a vomit, you know, and, and he does it every race. So yeah, you got a stronger gut than that though. You yeah, know. it's true. The filter. Yeah. Thank you, filter. It's, it's helped you out. <laughs> yeah. It's helped me out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, so what are some ways we can tell our brain to back off then and let our body do its thing? Yeah. Look, I think, um, probably the, the most foundational thing with that is comes back to our perception. So the way that the brain perceives um, threat is basically always scanning for, is this a threat? Am I in danger? And when the brain picks up that actually, yeah, there's a threat there or it perceives something as a threat, that triggers a stress response. Mm. But it's important that there's, to know that there's, like, there's two different kind of ways that that can happen. You can, if you perceive a situation as a threat, it'll trigger, like, we can call it like a negative stress response where it's trying to... Um, get you to kind of avoid that situation mm. and it'll um, that sort of that doesn't feel great and makes you kind of want to withdraw and but if the same situation is perceived as a challenge you'll kind of naturally want to move toward that and so the same um, the same situation perceived as a challenge rather than a threat will help you to actually open up and rise and want to move toward it mm. and that's really the difference between like excitement and you know what we would call like performance anxiety or yeah. something like that so it's it's actually it's the same exactly the same situation same same risks or consequences or you know like um we haven't done anything different we're just in how we interpret perception is different yeah the perception yeah. and that perception piece is, is really powerful because there's a totally different kind of physiology that mm. that, um, that comes with that perception it's like okay bring it on i'm gonna mm. move towards that um, rather than like get me out of here like this you know I, I feel sick like I don't so want to do this. take down that saber tooth tiger rather than I'm going to run away from that saber tooth tiger yeah yeah exactly right and so we can channel that that kind of um, the the upside of that stress response yeah. you know and and uh, eat sweet sweet saber tooth tiger and eat sweet saber tooth tiger <laughs> I don't know how many people in history how many of our ancestors were successful in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, like, it's definitely that perception of, yeah, yeah bring, like, this is a challenge, you know, it's, and there's obviously a lot of things that are attached to that around, like, well, what are you, where is the perceived threat coming from? Like, what is that state Is it state really here? a threat? Like, is it, is yeah. that kind of, if you, do you actually have anything to lose here? Mm. Or is it actually that you've got something to gain and, and bring it on? So a lot of the work I do with athletes is really about, helping them to master that so yeah. that whatever the situation they've kind of their default is like bring it on i'm up for it you know Great. let's see what i can do um so any tips on that because so we want to alter mm. alter the sense of effort without altering what's happening in our muscles isn't mm. it because basically um the sense of effort affects our decision to stop or slow down yep. so yep. it's it's exactly what you're saying so how do we what what are some some tips and, and tools that mm. we can apply mm. to bring it on as you yeah say. to bring it on so I think that maybe before you're before you're in the race or something like that that's where it's actually um, having that reality check around the situation like well, why why am I doing this I do it because I love it or I do it because it's important I want to see what's possible and and those sort of coming out with those sort of answers for yourself and reasons how you kind of almost reassure your mind you know that okay I'm, I don't have anything to lose here and so 
um, you can be intentional about stepping in with this attitude of like, all right, I'm just going to embrace the challenge. And then once you're in it, it's really about getting back to the present moment. And so when you're, when it is starting to hurt, you know, really useful um, approaches to find a way to ground yourself back in that, in the now. And whether that's, you know, paying attention to different parts of, of your body and actually just starting to notice, um, you know, like, oh, okay, how's, how's my breathing? How's my arms? How it... Concentrating on form yeah, it's just... to, to, to block out perceived effort. Yeah, exactly right. It's coming into the, the process of right now because what you'll often find is that you're, um, you actually are not feeling as bad as you kind of think you're feeling when you do truly ground back and okay like out of 10 how are my legs feeling oh like mm-hmm. actually they're probably five or six like yeah i can feel some but it's not there's nothing kind of um too intense going on there and so just being in that moment is coming back to the moment coming back to the moment time after time again is is really the skill that um underpins all of all of that to then accept the moment as it is you know it's like in this moment like yeah okay my my legs are hurting five out of ten maybe um and and you can just accept that and be like well that's what i signed up to you know that's, yeah, yeah. that's what i and if you compare that with what you went in with that intention of like well i'm here to see what's possible mm. and so it's i'm expecting it to hurt mm. and if it doesn't then i'm not actually seeing what's possible mm. And then you can kind of just come back to the moment to accept that. All right, yeah, this is how it's this supposed to be. This, be. Moment, this is this is good. Keep going. Um, and, and I think the, that's where in our in our mind we've kind of got the voice of um, the, the this like this voice of judgment. Sometimes it's like, oh, like you shouldn't be hurting this much at this point. Or mm. when we start telling ourselves stories that are kind of making judgments um that can kind of get in the way of us just accepting the moment as it is and Mm. and um allowing ourselves to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and um ultimately that's you know we talked about a flow state before that's where you enter a flow state when you embrace a challenge you lean into it and you have deep focus in the present moment and Mm. you know that can you can stay in that state by um by kind of keeping your mind in this moment and or the acceptance rather than that kind of judgment. That little guy on your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. You're really tired. Mm. Oof. Just yeah, slow yeah. down a little bit, mate. Mm. It'll exactly. be easier for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What's, mm. I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that little bugger on your shoulder. <laughs> mate, um, I, I hear and read a lot about athletes using positive mantras during a race to keep them in a particular frame of mind. Mm. Um, in your opinion, how effective is this positive self-talk? Uh, it's generally a good thing, mm. um, but it, there's probably a couple of things that need to come with it. One, it's a, it's a skill you actually have to practice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not enough to kind of just come up with something on the fly whilst you're mid-race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's something that I think needs to be true, really personal and carry be attached to um, something personally meaningful. So um, part of, you know, that's part of the, I think the work is, is really refining what Your own self, mantra. Yeah. yeah, like what self-talk is going to really serve you in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And as I said, like don't expect to just find it in that situation. But as you, as you keep putting yourself in challenging situations, keep testing and refining that because when you can kind of... Um, 
when you can get really clear on what your optimal kind of um, self-talk is, yeah, it it can help. It really serves as a a function to help you come back to what you need to focus on in this moment. Stay grounded, that sort of thing. Yeah, and so I think it's it can be really really powerful for people if it's the right thing and it's practiced right. But Hmm. yeah. Do, um, do you use it personally with your running? Like, yeah, I, I do. I I find, um, yeah. So for me, it's really about, um, and I guess the work I do with people too is very much about helping to find what's what's right for them or what's really unique or how they can just be themselves and whatever they're doing. And so for me, you know, I I know I'm at my best when I'm focusing on on others or something sort of bigger than myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not as motivated by just um, what I'm, I'm doing for my own purposes, which mm-hmm. is why I love, um, you know, being a training partner to, you know, people like Eloise and, and actually be like, you know, my best sessions are ones where I've, I've got a job to do to help, her, help her or, yeah. or to help um, someone like that. So when my focus is off, off of myself mm. and on, a, on something more purposeful, um, that helps me to access my best and that's... Like I say, so my sort of self talk is is really around why I'm why I'm there, mm-hmm. rather than um, and because I know that works for me. But everyone is, as I say, everyone's unique, and it's about um, exploring, testing, and refining what's going to really be optimal for you. Mm-hmm. Do you use a mantra, mate, or Wolfie? Me? Yeah, yeah. Just beat your mates. That's mine. The back, back, back of the head. Yeah, but mate, you, you're really not particularly challenged by your mates most of the time. Mm. Being, you know, a bit of a front runner. Mm. Does that work on race day? Uh, well, as long as I'm ahead of everyone, we know. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> That's what I base my performance on. Which personality is this, by the way? Is this one, two, or three? Yeah, this is generally one. Yeah, yeah two and okay. three. Yeah, they're, they got a different. They're game. a bit loose. Two yeah. and three coming out post race. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon there are certain types of people that positive self talk works better with? I find I, I, I feel personally that I can't fool myself into thinking what I'm saying to myself. Yeah. I don't know what that. Yeah, look, I think what you've said there is is bang on, and that we can't fool ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like the to, one of the things I probably should have said before about self talk is it has to be believable, it has mm-hmm. to be kind of realistic. And so if you're just like, you know. I'm in the field of positive psychology and a lot of people think that means positive thinking and it really doesn't, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't really sign up to a view about, you know, it's just about positive thinking or, and so, um, I, if the, if the self-talk is not believable, it creates a sense of, um, dissonance mm. in your mind and it's like well that's that's not true and so it doesn't serve the purpose so that's why i mean you, you need to do the work to find out what's really what's going to work for you mm. and generally i think it's going to come back to something to do with purpose like what yeah why are you doing it yeah you know and that doesn't even need to be that may not sound like positive self-talk mm-hmm. you know or it might not be a super positive mantra it might be a really purposeful mantra yeah and so i think um there's individual differences in everything so um yeah i think it's really about taking that individual approach and figuring out what's going to work for what's going to work for you what yeah. really um what yeah what serves you what helps you to be your best and, and do more of that i have to work on it mm. more mm. find something 
Mm. My purpose. It's a freaking deep question. Yeah, it is. Oof. Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Too early. Maybe yeah. we should have a listener question just to break up the, the deep, dark psychology. Please, going on. <laughs> Please do. So I got one in from uh, from Tor Paul actually. Uh, so 95% of the blokes we run with would desperately undersell their ability when asked about how quick they were. Mm. Is this kind of modesty common amongst athletes or do <laughs> I just run with a bunch of dirty sandbaggers? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I think in our culture, like that kind of modesty, humility value is really strong. Mm. And so it does find itself in, um, in everything we do. So yeah, definitely I'd say that there's a... People, you know, there's the whole tall poppy syndrome in this part of the world and mm-hmm. people don't want to be seen to be, um, you know, shouting from the rooftops about how, how good they what are. they're capable of and, and that's fine. Um, but provided it's not actually getting in the way of, of what you're trying to do and what mm-hmm. actually, you know, what matters to you and the enjoyment of it all. Um, so... Yeah, and and there's, I guess there's what you tell people and then what you tell yourself as well. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah that's right. That's Is there right. a fine line between confidence and tall poppy? Confidence and tall poppy. So can you just clarify slightly what you mean? Yeah, I want to make yeah. Sure so, I, I mean, some some people are confident in mm. what they do. Yeah. And so that might come across as arrogance, mm. you know, whereas they might not be bragging about what they're capable of mm. but certainly they walk around or they, they strut around mm. like they they own the track or yeah. you know yeah. for, for example you mm. know uh, do you think that's a bad thing or do you think that's you know that's complementing their confidence yeah look I think um, for me I, I'm, I see quite a big difference between confidence and yeah, in that example, and you know, I see that as quite a positive thing. Um, and like confidence really comes from what we tell ourselves. And so, if we mm-hmm. if we feel like you know um, comfortable in our, in our own skin, we understand who we are, and we uh, therefore we can kind of show up and just be ourselves. That often maybe looks like confidence, mm-hmm. and that's great that's a really healthy form of, of confidence. I think what is not so healthy is if you're sort of putting it on or if you're kind of, if that, that um, display of, of trying to look like you own the place actually comes from a, a place of insecurity. Mm. So it's really about what that person, what's going on for that person internally would sort of be the judgment on it. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. are they, are they, um, are they clear on who they are and they know their worth as a person and, and because they understand that they're, um, you know, that they're a worth worthy person, they can actually see that worth in everyone else around them. Mm. And funnily enough, that often comes across as humility, but from a really um, great foundation of, of confidence. So I don't see humility and confidence as kind of um, opposing things. I think, you know, true confidence and true humility uh, are really can kind of coexist nicely. Yeah. Yep. Um, when you understand your worth and therefore you, you understand that everyone around you is just as, as worthy you're, you're not defined by you know how fast you run or you, you are know. wolf you are yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is you know you, you asked me before about um, what common things for athletes that's probably the next off the list would be um, wrapping your, your worthiness 
in your result and your yeah. performance like oh, i'm only as good as my last i'm only as worthy as a person as my last race or as Ooh. my next race and so, so do you think that means we need to stop calling people like a 415 six foot track guy like mm. we may we might be doing them a disservice yeah that's, well, that's our, our mm. main reference like if we haven't met someone yeah what, what's their yeah, yeah. what's their six foot time yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I think um, with young athletes, it's particularly dangerous. Like, there's quite a common thing called, um, like, talk about in the research around athletic identity and identity foreclosure. And that means really that um, as you've been developing your identity, it's been really attached to, you know, your sport and mm. what you do. And the danger of that is that really sets people up to, um, well, for a lot of challenges as they journey through, and it can really also get in the way of the enjoyment of the sport. Because suddenly, if you're, if every time you line up, you're your racing for your stuff. identity yeah. and your self worth, like that is that doesn't feel good. And it doesn't lead to great outcomes, and a lot of the maladaptive sort of behaviours that that athletes find themselves kind of in are often kind of stem from. Um, mm from the fact that actually they, they haven't become clear about their worth as a person independent of what they do. And um, when athletes do, when athletes are clear about who they are as a person and then separate to, you know, their worth, who they are as an, as an athlete, um, they perform better too, you know. <laughs> and so it's really, I think, for particularly young developing athletes, it can be dangerous to over-index on them as the athlete and wrap you know praise and all that just around you know how talented they are or how good they are on the track or anything like that um if it means that that's where they go for their their esteem and their worth so cool. wow. um, that's that's huge i've got to think of a new way to um to talk about people to talk about or, or introduce marty keys like he's just the 332 yeah nothing really matters what's his good guy outside of running though yeah Good guy. Good guy. We like him. We like him. Anyway. Thanks for waiting, guys. I just had to duck out and have a good look at myself in the mirror. What did you see, mate? Well, I liked what I saw. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it a lot. Of course you did. Of course I did. (laughs) Uh, Back to dominating. Over to you, mate. You got a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, um, we've we've spoken to some dietitians along the way. We've talked about caffeine. What uh, role does caffeine play from a psychological point of view for endurance exercise? Yeah, I think there's um, some pretty good stuff out there now about just how it, how our perception of um, of effort or exertion is influenced a little bit by caffeine. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it definitely um, can help. Bring, brings it down a notch or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, you know, five out of ten feels like four out of ten kind yeah. of thing. So I think. Um, uh, yeah, that's sort of my understanding of it, and yep. um, it certainly seems to be true for me when I yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I have a coffee before a session versus not. So good yeah. anecdotal evidence. Yeah, yeah, nice. it's all about that n equals one anecdotal self study. Yeah, you know? I like the self study. Yeah. It's good, perfect. What about um, the role of adequate calorie intake, sort of specifically carbohydrates? So. Um, I've had it said to me that negative thought process is just an indicator that you don't have enough sugar on board. Is that is that the case? Or? Well, um, gee, that's a good question. I I actually don't know the you know the exact science around that. I think, as we talked about before, with your your brain, obviously, 
um, is always it's wired to keep you alive mm. and because the brain runs on glucose yep. it's you, you know if you're not adequately um, if you're not adequately taking in you know the right the right stuff and um, your glucose levels go down then you know that's that's it's got your your brain's going to work to make you pay attention to what it needs to okay. keep you alive so yeah, yeah. um potentially can, wants you to slow down at that yeah point. it's definitely like hold yeah. on hold on like what something <laughs> yeah. like here's a red flag like i need some need some sustenance so let's yeah. let's get into it so i i think from a kind of high level theoretical point of view definitely yeah. um, could see that being the case Okay. I'm not sure all negative thought is is directly correlated no, with no, no, glucose, no. but I, it's yeah, it's definitely um, yeah, it's it's what your brain um, runs on. Yeah. But obviously, there's some pretty um, complex stuff going on in in the body to actually convert. You know, like when we talk about being in ketosis and stuff like that, and yeah. how um, yeah, it ends up getting what it needs. Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily need to. Doesn't need to be sugar specifically, yeah. but yeah, but it relies that on sugar as its own its only fuel source. Yeah, own, yeah, and it yeah. uses a lot of it. Like the, yeah, the, like twenty five percent of your daily energy intake is brain. I again, I don't know the exact percentage, but I'd say at least yeah, yeah like okay. it's burning a lot of calories, so to speak, mm. and some um, more than others, obviously. Mm. <laughs> I'm looking at ten to fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get a job, Wolfie. Yeah, when I get a job, that'll be increased. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, definitely, and like um, more broadly, like you know, nutrition. Nutrition is a, is a foundation for. Um, how you, your your psychological state, you know. So, I often think of nutrition as a component of psychology, yep. and probably goes back to what we were talking about before about not being a, a dichotomy between you know mind and body. It's mm. like where it's all one kind of system, and yep. it definitely plays a, a massive role in psychology. Yeah, yeah, very good, mate. Um, how much does the length of the race dictate that optimum state of arousal for an athlete? Mm. Yeah, another another great question. Um, the research has been on yeah, fire yeah, today. Yeah, it's seriously <laughs> good. Um, again, it's a very individual thing, um, but generally speaking, you know, um, the, the everyone kind of has their sort of individualized zone of optimal functioning for what type of event they they're doing, mm. and so. Um, I think though you need to just look at the start line of um, a hundred meter sprint. Mm. You see, that everyone's got a pretty different process. Yep. You know, like someone like Usain Bolt is is you know having it looks like he's joking around, mm-hmm. um, whereas other people are kind of really like um, tunnel vision, not talking to anyone. They're very kind of um, they look like they're trying to stay really calm, and mm. and I think that's just such a sign that everyone's got their own. Um, because we're all individuals, you know, it's about finding what's really going to work for you. Um, and you know, when you start talking about what you guys do with mm. more endurance stuff, like yes, um, your kind of state is obviously going to change yeah. as you go too. And so I, I think, you know, it's, um, it's something that comes back to is sort being in the present moment mm. really is what it comes back to and what sort of, um, what processes are going to help you to bring the best of yourself to each moment and uh, in terms of arousal? But what about you, Wolfie? Yeah. Do you do a few poses on the start line, sort of 
yeah, just, ham it up to the crowd. Yeah, yeah, I do that and uh, just try and intimidate the competition as well, you know. Just gr- growling at yeah, them? Yeah, growling, eyeballing, <laughs> yeah. all that chesting, whatever, whatever's required. Chesting. Chesting, you know, just puff Mate. the chest out. Puff the chest. With your chest? Yeah. Should we talk about push-ups again? No, that was Scotty. That was Scotty. Yeah, yeah. I reckon he's gone out and done some bench press after yeah. that interview. He's doing push-ups as we speak. <laughs> I've got a, uh, another listener question from a bloke called Ryan Seamstrong. Um, I, I constantly dominate my club mates in training, but can never seem to put it together on race day. I feel like I put too much emphasis on having a perfect race. How can I stop this obvious self-sabotage? Yeah, wow. Um, can I stop you there? Yeah. yeah. Is that a made-up name? Ryan Seamstrong. Yeah. No, he's a real guy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hannah knows him actually, the florist. Haven't heard that name. Yeah. yeah. Um, great, great question. And I, I think there's uh, a lot of people find that they better they're better in training than in races. Mm. And when that's the case, it's really about um, trying to really put your finger on what's different and how you perceive training versus a race. Yeah. And my guess is that it'll probably come back to some sort of. Um, pers- perception of threat and that feeds that voice of judgment which is the self-critique sabotage yeah. and so it probably comes back to yeah um actually figuring out well, what works well in training mm-hmm. and what sort of mindset and state are you in there and and then being really intentional about trying to replicate. almost replicate that yeah, yeah. and the way you think about it the way you perceive the situation mm-hmm. um and uh, i think th- the awareness already in that question indicates that you know, you've probably yeah. got all the answers you need yeah, um, yeah, yeah. within there. It's just about really committing to, okay, I'm going to try, um, yeah, be open to experimenting. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this race, I'm going to try to take this approach and we're going to see how it goes. And take the pressure off. It's, yeah, it's a curiosity to it rather than a kind of judgment, like mm-hmm. succeed or fail to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Good, good question, Ryan. Thanks, mate. Um, can we talk about routine a bit? So uh, it's important to me to maintain my ritual of having two beers the night before race day. So what are some of the wackiest sort of <laughs> rituals that you hear about from your athletes? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, oh, I, I don't haven't come across that many really wacky ones. Um, I think people are really particular about um, what they eat. Like, you know, I think that's quite similar to your one. It's like I always have this meal at this time and the night before or, um, you know, I've got a, a client uh, who is a good friend who I'll keep anonymous for his sake on this, but, you know, he's been But known, it's a guy, so you can narrow to, that down. Been known already. to, like, sleep with his cricket bat in his bed. Um, <laughs> you know, like things like that. Which is but weird because he's a swimmer. It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird. <laughs> uh, but I think... Um, I'm guessing he's single. Well, <laughs> this particular individual isn't, so you can go figure. But um, the yeah, I think uh, there are some pe- some peculiar ones out there. Um, but in your example, like I'm, I'm interested to know. Like, tell us a bit more about that. Oh, we're Probably on the on couch. Time. We're on the couch, mate. I, I I had a good race with two beers the night before, and prior to that, I would just sort of swear off the the booze previous like mm. beforehand because i thought ah oh, it's not doing me any good but then had a great race and just continued it yeah. and it's worked pretty well each time yeah. so 
Mm. I'm not going to argue with it. One of our greatest marathon runners, Robert Digastella, yeah. he, he had two or three beers before mm. some of his best performances and that worked for him. That's yeah. right. That's the mantra. Yeah. yeah. I think the important thing with any routine is that it, um, you know, it, it's, it's really about what it does for you psychologically, mm. not actually the routine. It's like yeah. the beer is not giving you you know unfortunately in this superpowers. case it's superpowers but it's it's probably helping you to get into a frame of mind that feeds mm. into you being in your optimal state the next yeah, day yeah, so yeah feel um, like sleep better yeah it's relaxing all kinds of, yeah anyway um, so pump, yeah pumpkin soup for dinner I've got heaps of them yeah like we're in the same pair of socks mm. going to the bank hotel after the event oh we're talking pre <laughs> yeah that's right don't think it matters as much your ritual after the event uh, does it I don't think so. Well, knowing it's coming is probably good for the psychology. That's actually, there's a bit of that to it. So, um, you know, I definitely know athletes who have um, like a mental holiday in the race, particularly in the endurance races, where it's like, you know, they've got their process of what they're going to think about. That's, they, you know, that's their process, whether it's focusing on their form or anything like that. But then to kind of free up a little bit of headspace, so to speak, they actually structure in like a mental um, holiday where they right. think about you know, for this section of the racing and think about whatever they want or whether yeah. they're going for hol- on a holiday or what they're going to eat after the race and then they come back to the process. And it's actually quite a nice way of... It's um, good. Yeah. you got a lot of time for a mental holiday on a 100k race. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to schedule a video in, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. I do it during the day normally. But I'm like, <laughs> back to that is to running. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, let me know how you go. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about holidays with you, <laughs> Oh, that's good. Funny. Mate, can you can you tell us a little about your, uh, your involvement with Eloise Wellings and high school kids working with them? Yeah. Um, so I've known Eloise for um, five or six years now and we've worked together a little bit. Um, well, more than a little bit. That was a New Zealand sort of phrase of just downplaying everything. But we've worked together, um, you know, in the mental skills space with, with her preparation and um, for Rio and, and the comp games and we talked a lot about um, teaming up and, and taking the message about um, to really empower people to um, to access their best and to um, to navigate through challenges and to, to bring a really um, positive mindset to life um, we've talked about that uh, leading into the Commonwealth Games and so committed that when she was back from the Commonwealth Games that we were going to um, to start taking that presentation into into schools, and so since since then, which is probably you know the last sort of fourteen fifteen months, we've um, spoken in, in quite a few schools about sharing her story as a as an athlete. And it's one of the most inspiring stories mm. I think <laughs> there is about um, resilience and the power of passion and perseverance and. Um, and character and pursuit of of your dream and sharing that her story and the way she does she's such a good storyteller um, really you know opens people to what's possible mm-hmm. and then that makes my job really easy to kind of come in and, and talk about really practical mental skills and strategies that she's utilized and displayed along the way um, that anyone can incorporate into their own life and so um, yeah, we've had great feedback from that in mm. schools and then in, in some corporates as well. Um, really talking about all the type of stuff we've talked about today on the show mm. and um, just really how we can each really pursue our 
our potential and do so in a way that um, we can uh, we can experience real joy on the journey mm-hmm. um, which is how I like to define happiness like I don't like that word particularly too much but journey. the best definition of it I've, yeah. I've ever heard is happiness is the joy you feel moving towards your potential mm-hmm. and I think that's really the, the essence of what we're, we're trying to help people to do is to really feel joy as they move towards potential and what's possible for them and um yeah so it's been great to be able to do that fantastic don't you think that's a big part of what you get out of running is that joy of moving forward like working towards a race like i don't necessarily need the race to make me happy but i feel like those little stepping stones along the way with training is where i get I don't know what I get out of it. Yeah. Well, being a social person, personally, I enjoy the group runs, you know, so those weekend group runs, uh, I enjoy a lot. So I think, you know, as we work towards a race together as a group, that uh, knowing and, and looking forward to the weekend group run is, you know, the highlight of the week for me, uh, you know, besides quality time with my wife. Um, but well there's, um, yeah, there's obviously... <laughs> Does she listen? <laughs> Shit, no. Good. Yeah. It's safe. probably a good thing. Safe as a bank. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so for me, yeah. you know, you know, socially, that, that, that group, the group effect, yeah. you know, like, you know, training together and not, not the, the long social runs mm. for me is, is the highlight of leading up to the event. And as you just said, it's not so much the event itself, but it's, it's the journey to the event. Yeah. And, nice uh, use of journey, mate. Yeah. Life is a journey, isn't it? No, no, nice use of the word. Yeah, yeah well yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. Nice. is there a trademark on that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's just a reality TV special that word. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. It's just so overplayed. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. mate, we were talking off air. Off air. That's a good phrase too. Mm. Off air about your uh, your honours study, mate. Can you tell mm. us a little bit about that uh, that that project or that um, that thesis? I guess. Yeah. So. Um, I was fortunate in my research. I was really passionate about um, elite athlete well-being, having um, seen so many athletes really struggle um, with with the well-being part of, uh, or the, their well-being kind of being impacted negatively by their pursuit of their sport. And I wanted to understand how we could better prepare people to experience uh, joy on the way towards their potential and um, and really thrive in terms of well-being and performance and so my research study was I interviewed um, former Australian test cricket captains and coaches and um, explored their lived experiences of um, well-being throughout their career and um, and even their transition out of sport and basically tried to um, extract the kind of the wisdom that comes from you know, so many years spent um, pursuing a, a craft and reaching the top of top of their game, and and what they maybe would have wished that they knew when they were younger, and um, and looking at that through a lens of positive psychology, where there's um, frameworks around what well being is and the different elements of well being, to kind of really draw out key themes about what what any one of us can do. Um, to maintain well-being and pursue our, our best and really have the best of both rather than it be, you know, you sacrifice your, your life for your, your sport or anything like that or um, or even you sacrifice, you know, your, um, 
your performance in your sport to have a more balanced life and things like that. I think there actually is a real um, best of both there, and we just need to understand what those what those kind of things are. So some of the main themes that came out of it, one was that performance and well-being were really connected. So there was this reciprocal loop or relationship between well-being and performance where almost everyone said that they played their best when their well-being was good. Mm. And so that's a pretty strong message in the fact that actually well-being is important as in the equation. It's not just about, you know, a short um, short-sightedness about performance. Um, so you look after the, the whole person, mm. that's a really good start. Um, the importance of being in the present moment um, came out really strongly. The importance of relationships is really powerful in that that actually it's about having relation positive relationships within your sport and outside of your sport um was a really really powerful thing um and the another really interesting thing that came out was just the importance of having a balanced perspective um and a balanced perspective on um what you're doing and on yourself so to me that that really spoke to the importance of identity as we've touched on today you know it's like it's actually understanding that you know it's if you lose the game it's actually not a life defining Mm -hmm. thing and and these are people who you know played in winning and losing kind of ashes series and things like that where they you know it was quite easy to get caught up in the fact that you know this is this is is it you know this is it and the whole country's writing this but if they could, what they the skill for them was to keep in perspective that hey, actually it is a game. I started playing for the love of the game, mm-hmm. and so I play my best when it when I keep stay true to the fact that I'm just mm-hmm. going to go out and and enjoy uh, expressing myself in this, and um, and that my worth as a person isn't dictated by whether I get a hundred or whether I get our first ball and mm. um, it's easier said than done but it's really important I think that we um, equip developing athletes with that type of balanced mindset identity around mm. you know this perspective that this is something you love and it's really important but you're not playing for your self-worth it's just sport yeah. in the end yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's fascinating I'm very appreciative to uh uh, all of the people that I got to speak to through that, and yeah, they shared such such interesting stories yeah. of, from their life. So it's an amazing opportunity, mate. Yeah. Fantastic, yeah. mate. Um, obviously, people listening to this will be going out running next week. Uh, have you got a couple of basic practical tips that they could take away and and start to work on in the lead up to the next race to mm. to work on that psychology to better their performance and even to reduce the voices in your head? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll give it up on you, Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you can do both at the same time, you know. So, um, <laughs> That's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's always difficult to boil it down, but I'd, I'd say um, if one thing is to just start noticing the stories that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. So just get curious about what that inner critic's actually saying because if you're actually – if you bring a curiosity to that voice, you create space between you and it. And in that space, you realize that it's not you. Yeah. Um, and I think often we we just take it to be ourselves. Like that, that inner critic is me talking and it's true and therefore I'm defined by it. And yeah, yeah just a curious mindset. So actually, what are, what is... What is the story I'm telling myself at the moment? So ask the little guy on your shoulder what he's actually saying to you. Yeah, and then yeah. and then just kind of just notice it without judgment, you know, like mm. what is it? What's it saying? Okay, um, 
and is that is that serving me is that helpful is it actually even true and and like I say, from that, that space between you and that voice is actually probably the, the most powerful part. Mm. And then it creates the space for you to choose to respond. To with, listen or not. Yeah, it's like, do I want to? No, I'm not going to kind of follow that thought. Yeah. Um, I'm, and that creates the space for you to then insert, you know, the truth. Like mm. whether it's a mantra that you've come up with, whether it's, um, you know, uh, something that is, is important to you that's going to help you focus on what actually matters at the time. Um, so I'd say, yeah, definitely just start to be curious about that. And if there's another thing, it would be just keep coming back to this moment right now. And, you know, those two things do go together quite nicely. The pain, getting curious about that voice and, and coming into back into this moment right now. And if you can do that, then I think you can say the present moment is where high performance is expressed. And Mm -hmm. it's also the place where, um, you know, real insight um, comes from mm. so the more we can connect with that the, the better valuable advice that's fantastic yeah I know next time the captain speaks up to me and says you know, let's not get out of bed I'll say fuck off what's your six foot time <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems like you've been listening yeah, yeah. 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 Good. absolutely good. We're, making, we're making great progress that's, that's good so. that's good yeah I think our time is up for today I'll uh, see you next week <laughs> do I get off the couch how does this work <laughs> yeah, I actually want to say I actually never almost never work with people on the couch so yeah. I often with people I work with would like go for a run yeah. or go into their kind of sporting environment or, or something like that and I I find that's actually really helpful so um, yeah I just wanted to interject there and <laughs> yeah. say we're actually yeah <laughs> I don't spend that much time on nah. the couch which is quite nice nah. I'm going to put it back in the lounge room after yeah, we finish yeah thanks yeah. It's, it's a nice change for me to actually be on one yeah <laughs> <laughs> so who's your uh, the most rewarding athlete that you've you've worked with and don't say say Eloise <laughs> you just sound like a fanboy so yeah, anyone yeah. else um are you allowed to talk about it? Patient yeah. doctor privilege stuff? Yeah, generally, you know, the work I do formally is is really, you know, confidential, is a really important part. And um, But that said, I, I want to make a special shout-out to um, two of my uh, more informal uh, clients, so to speak, um, both in New Zealand. So, you know, I've, I've sort of known them for a long time and, and kind of... Um, been in conversation with them on the journey for a long time and and one of them um sophie pascoe just broke four of her own world records this week at the new zealand paralympic swimming champs wow so she's like a nine-time uh paralympic gold medalist and the reason i want to mention her and like she's not you know an official client of mine at the moment we've just had these conversations along the journey and is that i'm continually astonished that how someone can keep breaking their own world record mm. which I think you know she, she set some of these in either Beijing or London like she's been at it for a while mm. and she just keeps improving and mm. keeps finding a way to she's competing with herself mm. like she's out in front mm. winning by a huge margin and is able to keep bettering herself mm. and so that that leaves me kind of in awe and and my good friend Brooke Neal as well, who's playing hockey for New Zealand, um, is uh, yeah, is, is really living that kind of um, in that 
the mindset we've been talking about here where you know she's got a, a um, kind of mentoring business called all about balance and, and she really does live that mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to put a third one in there because I, I want to include as well as um, Katie Rude who plays soccer football for um, the New Zealand squad and the way she's missed out on this World Cup team and the way that she has um, shown up so courageously and so vulnerably about what that is like and the message that she's sending to aspiring athletes is so real and so powerful so um, yeah definitely when I see people like that um, transcend this their self and their self kind of interest and and you know be such great role models that's the sort of thing that really says the most to me about a person well, I've got no doubt that you could, you know, offer your services and, and help a lot of the listeners. So where, where would they find you if, uh, if they want to look you up? Eloise would say grind Cronulla, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she would tease me. Um, so on, my, on social media, um, you know, uh, my Instagram account um, is, is always a good place to contact me. I do have a website, which is um, rorydarkins.com, it's just my name, um, and yeah, any kind of social media, happy to um, happy to throw my email out there as well if, if people want to contact me through that. Um, and I would say just I'm always up for um, just having an initial consultation, like conversation rather. You know, like I think there's a lot of unknowns in this space about is this something that I want to do? And um, yeah, I'd encourage people just to kind of reach out and ask questions and, and explore whether it's something that they actually want to engage in formally or not. Mm. Um, and so you can contact me on um, yeah rorydarkins36 at gmail.com is my email or like I say happy mm. if you guys check my mobile out there or whatever and you've got your own website yeah so it's um, rorydarkins.com and then um, for the app it's whatsright.ai um, so yeah Great. many ways awesome. to contact me and yeah, always happy to chat can't miss him no and let us know when you launch the app yeah. and we'll let the listeners know that awesome. the app's live and we'll pass it on cool so, Thanks, mate. It's been valuable. It's been a lot of lot of great information, and I feel like I'm in the flow state. I'm in the flow state. Yeah, yeah great. I feel like all of us. And that's mainly me. We'll take all three of you. All three of us. Yeah. All three of you. All three. Yeah, right. Just, no, <laughs> just one. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are taking it away. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, guys. I love what you've got got going on here, and um, yeah, and, and especially with your your race that you've got. Organised. I know it will probably be completed by the time the show comes out. Yeah, but congratulations yeah. on putting that together. It's Thanks awesome. So. Thank you. Thanks. So before we finish up, let's remind the listeners to subscribe to the podcast. And if they want to use the following discount codes, um, come into Ranella, visit the store, and mention Running Matters to get a ten percent discount. Goo Energy Australia online to get a fifteen percent discount. Running Matters. Fractal Performance Running Caps online, Running Matters, and get a 15% discount. And, of course, you should get out and enter Surf Coast Century, and that discount code is RMS, or Running Matters, Surf Coast Century, SCC 2019. We'll put it up online anyway. Okay, over and out. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks, Wolfie. Thank you.